During his fifties, Shaw went through a rough patch. That was how he put it to himself. His adult life had been, until then, perfectly normal. He'd been determined on normality. Perhaps that had been the problem. Anyway, his life lost shape, and five years were expended on nothing very much. They slid into themselves like the parts of a trick box and wouldn't open again. He would wake up to himself with utter clarity in, say, a crowded first-floor noodle bar at night, talking to people he didn't know while he looked down into a street full of brand-new motorcycles. Then, everything would slip away again, to be lived at one remove for a week or two. A woman he met, one of several who instinctively discarded him during that period, came closest to defining what had happened to him. Her name was Victoria, and on greeting someone new, her habit was to announce that she worked in a morgue. Oh, I don't mind, she would say vaguely, however you responded to that. But then I'm someone who saw her first corpse when she was 14. It was an effective line, especially in a hackney pub on a wet Monday evening. A doctor's daughter, already in her forties, Victoria had bleak red hair, an eroded look, and the studiedly flat humour of the high-functioning romantic. She was one of those people only partly aware of their own nervousness. Half detecting that agitation, she would project it onto you and say, You haven't really got time for me now, have you? I can tell from your voice. Shaw found it confusing at first. Some discipline was required, or you'd be caught up and, becoming nervous in turn, start fulfilling the prophecy by looking at your watch. The night they were introduced, she was drinking heavily, obsessed with something her father had once told her about a subspecies of people born looking like fish. Truly, she said, fish! She opened her eyes quite wide. Don't you think that's amazing? Shaw didn't know what to make of her. I've never heard anything like it, he answered truthfully. He was more interested in the morgue. How weird is that? he suggested, spending all day with the dead. To this she replied with an inexplicable bitterness and as if referring to some pivotal event in her own life. Well, at least they never answer you back. Victoria, whose surname was either Norman or Nyman, at that point sure wasn't sure which, wanted to be talked into something, but that left him only the fish people to work with. Her father had described them as living in South America or somewhere similar. Most of them were born male, though it was women who carried the gene. They could live normally, do everything a human could do. Isolated in deep estuarine valleys west of the Andes, perhaps stronger, certainly more intelligent than the ordinary tribes which had cast them out, they formed communities of their own which, though small, survived and even thrived. If that's so, Shaw said, why aren't there more of them? Why haven't I ever seen one? Victoria laughed the way laughter is reproduced on the internet. Ha 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 ha. Because this isn't South America she reminded him. It's Columbia Road. Anyway, it was just a joke of his on a little girl. She tapped her empty glass encouragingly, and when he got back from the bar, added, Perhaps you have seen one. Perhaps we're all fish people, of one sort or another. 
They met a couple more times, went to bed, argued back and forth in the way people do when they're just slightly more than attracted to one another. But when, one night at the Spurstow Arms, Shaw tried to put things on a more permanent basis, she shivered. You seem like a decent man, she said, holding his hand briefly across a table littered with empty glasses and the remains of potato ravioli with wild mushrooms. But you've forgotten what everything's about. He wondered if he had. If he had, how would he know? What would be the epistemology of that? The rain was coming down outside the pub. People were running in and out with coats over their heads, laughing. Shaw had lost his nerve, Victoria went on to say, and she didn't think she could handle someone else's anxieties in addition to her own. To be honest, I've never met anyone in such a panic. At the time, this assessment seemed less hurtful than meaningless. Later, he would have more than one chance to appreciate the clarity of it. Meanwhile, life drew itself closed as suddenly as cheap curtains, and they saw less of each other. Shaw's problem wasn't a breakdown. It was too late to be a midlife crisis. It wasn't any of the predictable things. Perhaps, he thought, these periods of retraction happen in a life. Perhaps you can't be on all the time. The moment he felt free of it, he redirected himself like a parcel, as far from Hackney as seemed humanly possible, fetching up south and west of Hammersmith Bridge in a quiet suburban badlands between East Sheen and the Thames, bounded by Little Chelsea on one side and Sheen Lane on the other. There he rented a room in a Georgian house that smelled of dogs and fried food.